Think about what you say to yourself. Yeah. Would you say that to your best friend? If you wouldn't say it to your best friend, why is it okay yeah. to say that to yourself? Hello and welcome to Sharp Podcast, the self-development podcast where we help you get better at the stuff that matters to you so you can spend less time doing the stuff that doesn't matter. And if you're a regular listener, yes, that has changed from what we used to say. I hope it hasn't made you feel uncomfortable. Anyway, this is episode 83. If this is your first time with us, welcome. If you've been here before, you might notice this episode is a little bit different. It features a powerful conversation with qualified hypnotherapist and trauma PTSD specialist Sandy Doyle. Now on Sharp Podcast, we often talk about tools, ideas and solutions to solve some of the things that might hold you back at work and all the other aspects of your world. We've done episodes before about work-life balance, how our brains work and things like meditation. But what we've not really looked at in any detail is our subconscious and how on a deep level it can impact our lives, our work and sometimes our subconscious can be the cause of a root problem holding us back from achieving the success that we really want. So today we're talking with someone who solves those problems for people. Now Sandy shares her amazing experience helping people overcome wide-ranging challenges from a fear of frogs to mm, some more serious stuff. Oh, and a couple of warnings up front. We will be covering some tricky subjects in this conversation. Now don't worry, we don't go into graphic detail on any of them, but the subjects we discuss will include things like phobias of animals, dentists, tight spaces, and some parts of the conversation we briefly touch on some quite serious subjects. Again, no detail, but I just wanted to make you aware that the subject matter will include reference to terms like car accidents, domestic violence, sexual assault, smoking, suicide and child loss. Why are we talking about this stuff? Because in every case, Sandy has helped these people solve the problems that their subconscious is causing and she's made their lives better, made them happier and in many cases she's helped with some significant life-changing situations. And I'm sharing this conversation because I wanted to explore the power of the subconscious, how it can affect us, and how we can work with it to break free of our limitations. Now, obviously, we are not giving you personal advice. If any of the areas that we discuss affect you, please contact a professional like Sandy or someone similar. Importantly, someone qualified like Sandy. And be careful, because there are unqualified people out there who dabble in this stuff, and they might not give you the care that you deserve. At the very end of the podcast, after the closing music, there are some relaxation exercises you might like to try. This was an in-person recording. Join us in the studio as I abruptly ask Sandy, who are you? We're going to have a really interesting conversation about um, all sorts of stuff. But before we do that, who are you? So I'm Sandy Doyle. I come from Southampton area, just outside of Whiteley, actually, just the other side of Fairham. And we met at Portsmouth Business Exchange yeah. Networking, which seems like ages ago now, but actually it was quite recently. Yeah, I think um, May was when I came and did the first presentation. But Penny's awesome, isn't she? Penny, yes, who absolutely. until recently ran the PBE. Brilliant She's... networker and always knows somebody that you need. Yeah. yeah. I think in the last three podcast episodes where I've had a guest, I've bigged up Penny. I can't stop, can't stop doing it. And your presentation is... back in May was was brilliant. I have to say. Oh, thank Got you. Got a lot from it. Well, you actually came back and you did, did. something with emails, didn't you? From the yeah, I sorted so... out my 
thousands of unread emails and actually <laughs> started deleting them all. Yeah. Well, I was really grateful for the opportunity to present because actually what back then was quite a sort of loose set of ideas has now turned into a very clear five-step framework. It's called CLEAR. Uh, and we now work with organisations to, to support teams with it. And I'm currently working on a digital online version as well for individuals. But anyway, today's not about me. It's, not, it's about you. Stop talking about me. Um, so we met at Spark. Um, here's a challenge for you. In one sentence, can you tell the listener what Spark is? It's a place where people can go that are feeling isolated, forgotten about, left out, where they will always find someone to support them, to listen to them and hear more importantly because listening and hearing are two different things. And the phrase is a cup of kindness, isn't it? A cup That's... of kindness and it's pay what you can afford and this is something that Becky's very passionate about. Mm. Um, we offer cheese toasties, we have the best cakes from the 10th hole and Queen's Hotel, they donate every week and it is always pay what you can afford so nobody needs to think they can't afford to go out for a cup of coffee. Fabulous. They'll always get a cup Fabulous. of kindness. So, common ground, we met at Portsmouth Business Exchange in the Spark Community Centre in Portsmouth. You do some voluntary work at Spark and support Becky and the amazing work that the team there do. But today we're going to talk about um, what could be a challenging subject, and I guess the thread that holds this all together is the subconscious and the power of the subconscious. Before we start talking about that, can you just tell us how you got into it? Because you were in the police, right, weren't you, to start yes. with? Yeah, I spent my first career was in the police for um, 14, 15 years. Okay. I was medically discharged. I had a serious car accident, broke my back. Wow. And after two years of not working due to the injury, I then found myself going into education mm. as a uh, learning support for children with um, special educational needs. And then that led me into mainstream school, working with them my daughter she was a skater and um the way i got into hypnotherapy ice skater, not ice skater yeah ice skater and the, i started training in hypnotherapy whilst i was uh, a learning support assistant and the, the way i came into it was i was at the ice rink with her one evening and had terrible toothache and her skating coach said to me well you you should really get a doctor's uh, dentist appointment get that sorted out right. Well, unbeknownst to her, I had the worst dental phobia you could imagine and, and there was no way I was ever setting foot in a dentist. And um, anyway, I didn't mention that to her. I just said, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, and fobbed it off. And then a couple of days later, saw her again, still with toothache. And she said, could you, you know, you, you've got to get an appointment. I said, I can't, I can't go. And I said about this phobia, she said, oh, I can sort that out. And I kind of looked at her and thought, how does an ice skating coach sort out my phobia for dentist because unbeknownst to me she was also a hypnotherapist uh, and okay. NLP practitioner okay. anyway long story short I had one session I walked in eventually I said yeah okay you can try but I was convinced because I knew how terrified I was of the dentist that I didn't think anything could ever cure it so I went in believing that it was not going to work I was willing to try it, but I didn't. I honestly didn't think for one minute it would work. Right. Well, I came out after one session. I can't now recall what actually happened in the session, which is unusual. You usually recall it afters, but these this far down the line, I can't remember now. But I've been to the dentist ever since. I've had a, a large double tooth extracted where the dentist said to me, oh, well, I've put four injections in. You shouldn't feel anything, but it, it might require a bit of a tug and, you know, it's the, but if you feel any pain, tell me and we'll put another injection in. And it's a bizarre feeling because I sit in the chair 
very calm listening to this right. as if I'm at the hairdressers. And part of my brain is saying, why are you sat here so calmly? How is this happening? How are you even sat here in the first place? Because in the past, before I had the hypnotherapy, I had to have a tranquilizer just to have a filling. Okay. I'd literally be put out and take a driver with me to take me home. Wow. So that kind of got me interested. I then had a similar experience with her, but this time involving a lift where we were in one of these tiny little glass lifts, which I could cope with, until a very large gentleman got in carrying a child. And at that point, it became overload and overwhelmed for me. And I thought, oh, God, I can't. I'm trapped. I'm trapped. I've got to get out. And again, another conversation later, I had a session with her for claustrophobia. And again, since then, I've not worried about planes. It, it, it really affected me on planes when you land and everybody stands up and gets their luggage down. And you've got this crowd of people all down this narrow aisle between you and the door and okay. you can't get out and i'd find myself having sort of palpitations and i just wanted to rip people's heads off and say get out of my way just let me yeah. off this plane um and since having the the session with her on that again nothing so it got me thinking now i thought something in this hypnotherapy i'm really intrigued with this so we had long conversation about it and then i started researching and um, found a training school, Hampshire School of Hypnotherapy in Portsmouth, where I could train at weekends around the job I was doing. So I couldn't afford to give up my job to go and train. So that's what I did. So um, there's a couple of things you said there, which I just want to unpack because some of our listeners will be, um, they'll know all about hypnotherapy. And you also talked about a thing called NLP, which well, Neuro Linguistic Programming. Okay. So we'll unpack that in a minute as well. Other listeners won't have won't have any experience with any of those things apart from you know stage hypnotism and all that um stuff and then some of our listeners will also say ah it's all rubbish uh, you know it doesn't work it's all it's all trickery and and all that kind of stuff so um first of all with hypnotherapy fundamentally how does hypnotherapy have an impact on people what is actually happening when someone is hypnotized and in your case um end up being better equipped to deal with a dentist or confined spaces. What's going on? In hypnosis, it means that I can bypass the conscious mind and work with the subconscious mind, which is where all your memories are stored. By bypassing the conscious mind, which is what the monkey on the shoulder saying, oh, you can't do this, you're frightened of that, you can't do that, and questioning everything you do. Working with the subconscious mind, I can go back and find where that initial event was that has caused the fear the problem, the anxiety, whatever it is that we're working with, okay. I can find what, what the original event is okay. that has led into that problem. So just to clarify my understanding of it there, hypnotherapy is not about um, tricking people, making people do things against their will or, or some kind of magic. It, it's about there's a behaviour that we've learned, we've forgotten how we've learned that behaviour, and what you're doing is helping the person do a bit of detective work and find out where that yeah, access the memory from. to find out where it was where it was learned okay. and then change that pattern of behavior so it's like um it's like if you've got a computer and you've got a faulty program on it right. it's like i'm the, the nanny mcafee that okay. goes in and deletes the faulty program and puts in a new program okay. and you mentioned about hypnosis and it being magic etc no it's not magic i can't force anyone i can't make anyone do anything they don't want to do so if they've come to see me I make the assumption that they want to make the change, otherwise they wouldn't come. 
by wanting to make that change in the first place, they've already made that first step towards making the change. Okay. So they're open to the suggestion that they can make things different. Okay. You're not asleep in hypnosis. You're in a very deep sense of relaxation. It's like that bit in the morning, if you ever set that alarm in the morning, you hit that snooze button and you lay there and you think, oh yeah, I just had that extra 10 minutes. And you might hear the kids outside or the dog downstairs or other noises around you. You're aware of the noises around you, but you're so relaxed, you just don't care what anyone else is doing. And when you're in that nice relaxed state, it's easy then to access the subconscious mind okay. and do the work. Okay. We'll talk about hypnotherapy a bit more in a minute. You also said neuro-linguistic programming. Um, so again, for our users in a simple one or two sentence explanation, what is NLP? So neuro basically means to do with your mind. Mm -hmm. Linguistic is to do with the language we use. So basically, if you think you can't do something or you think you can, right. you're right. Yes. Whichever you think, you're right. Yeah. Because you will either talk yourself into being able to do it or you'll talk yourself out of being able to do it. Okay. So neuro-linguistic programming is just a way of using language to reprogram your thought processes Okay. in a nutshell. Okay. So um, it's, it's about self-talk and it's about what you tell yourself about yourself. And also, of course, that same thing can apply to other people. So, you know, if you keep telling someone that they're awful, then they'll learn to be awful because particularly if you're in a position of authority over them and, and so on. And one of the things I think that could be useful for you, dear listener, is in these conversations, we're going to talk about some things that you as a, as a, as a, as a person may find helpful because you might be struggling. But I'd also ask you to think about the effect you have on other people, because all of these things that we've talked about, these learned behaviours, or many of them, as I understand it, are actually as a result of often what another person has done to us or said to us and, and, you know, we can, with just a throwaway statement, we can have a big impact on on how people feel. And sometimes we can say things that cause some really deep-rooted trauma for, for long periods of time. So um, I'm going to keep referring to a cup of kindness because that feels to me like a, a, a nice uh, a nice theme for us to talk about. So, you're, so you are a practicing hypnotherapist. You work in, I know where you work, but from the listener's perspective, we're on the south coast, aren't we? Just outside of Portsmouth. Yeah, I'm I'm based just off of Junction 9 on the M27. I work from home, but I have a proper office within my home, okay. separate from the rest of the house. There's only me there, so it's completely private. Okay. So in your experience, with all the different people you've talked to and all the different uh, people that you've helped, just tell us about some of the ways people's subconscious mind can hold them back. Okay, so uh, an interesting one on phobias um, was a lady that came to me who had a really severe phobia of frogs. And it came about as a result of a, a person that she worked with noticed that every day when she went to work, she parked in the car park and instead of taking the direct route into the office, she walked all around the outside of the road literally a three or four minute detour to get into the office and when she questioned her about it she admitted that she had this absolute terror of there being a frog and and because there were bushes along the pathway on the direct route in there might be a frog in the bushes wow. it then transpired that she went on to tell her that actually she couldn't go out in her garden to put her washing out she didn't she never did gardening if she went to a barbecue, she'd be the one stood in the kitchen drinking because she couldn't go in the garden or because there might be a frog. 
So under hypnosis, we went back and discovered that the initiating event that had caused this was when she was actually, I think if I remember rightly, she was about 11 or 12, walking home from school with some friends and inadvertently trod on a frog that was already dead. Okay. But that squishy, horrible feeling underneath, you can imagine sort of 11 or 12 year olds, oh, and all the squealing and the horror of it. But somehow that had stayed with her and and it developed into this this huge phobia around frogs but she wasn't aware no. that that moment had made that no significant idea. change which resulted in her walking the long way around yeah. every day that she went to to where she was going yeah that was that's a bit of a fun one um on a more serious level how it impacts people can impact people in business for example um a businessman who found it very difficult to talk in public mm-hmm. um even in staff meetings where he had to address a group of people in a room found himself getting very flustered panic attacks and all sorts couldn't speak in front of people and under hypnosis going back in regression went back to an incident when he was three or four and parents were having a dinner party with friends and he came downstairs to proudly announce to everybody that he'd done a poo on the toilet which was quite a big thing because up until that point he'd he'd used a potty and was very proud of himself but mum stood up absolutely horrified that he'd announced this to all her friends at a dinner party and shooed him up so I said oh we don't talk about that here sort of thing and that is where the fear of speaking in public came from and that's how what we say and what we do can can influence our children long into the future without us even I mean I I doubt if that mother ever even thought about that again and probably is still none the wiser today so our language and the language we use to particularly children in those those young years is so important so um in that example of the of the the chap that was had a fear of speaking in public there's a very clear event that happened that sort of locked in that fear and I can understand why he may not remember that that's... But it wasn't what he did. It was the impact his parents had on him that that presumably made him feel like saying something out loud in public is not a good thing to do, so I'm just going to not bother doing that. But we've also talked... We talked before about the flip side of that, where parents, with the intention of supporting their children and helping their children, also can sometimes cause challenges, particularly in the area of... Um, of um, Over-anxious parents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, anxiety is very much... Um, can, can be a, a very much learnt response. So, therefore, if you have a child that's brought up with an over-anxious parent... Yeah that's fussing around you know if they fall over it's oh my goodness quick quick come here come here darling come here let me let them let me see oh oh that looks nasty oh do we need to call a doctor do we need and and they they make too much fuss about minor incidents instead of you know you don't have to be flippant and not you the child needs to be heard and acknowledged but there's a difference in the way you deal with it so the child that comes over having grazed their knee and the mum says oh never mind let's have a look here we are i'll put some magic cream on it there you are does that feel better now let me give you a hug all right all right now off you go then dealt with yeah child had a trauma the trauma was the the grazed knee it's been dealt with mum's put the magic cream on that trauma has been processed through to its its happy ending and they go off that trauma then that that memory is filed away in the subconscious mind will probably never be thought about again because it's been properly dealt with okay you've just used the word trauma and you use a technique called blast don't you can you tell us what blast is 
So BLAST stands for Bilateral Analysis and Stimulation Technique, which basically means it uses eye movement. It's a form of EMDR, eye movement desensitization response. So a hypnotherapist in Warwickshire called Nick Davis pioneered the BLAST technique. Right. Basically, he studied EMDR for about 10 years, and as a result of that, took all the best bits of EMDR and finessed it down into the BLAST technique. Okay. It's a very fast way of dealing with the emotional impact of trauma. Okay. What's happening? What, what, what do you do? So it's using, it's, it's not done in hypnosis. It's done wide awake. Um, it's, it, I use a light pen, and the person sits in the chair in front of me with their feet firmly on the ground, nice and centred. And basically using a, a pen with a light on, I get them to just face forward and they follow the pen with their eyes and I do various patterns. But before that, I've, I've spoken to the person about whatever the trauma is. I find out what um, emotions it brings up for them, what the picture is it brings up, where they feel the emotions in their body, etc. Um, any negative phrases that go with it. Yeah. And then by a process of different using different eye movements and different language, it very quickly neutralizes the emotional impact of it so they don't forget the event that's not the purpose of it so if you had a, a serious car accident for example i had a lady that came to me that had a serious accident on the m27 the car had come in the side of her which resulted in a hit in the central reservation and the car somersaulting up the road um and within a couple of sessions of blast, she not only was able to drive a car again, she'd gone out looking for a new car and all the trauma of it was behind her. Whereas the first time she set foot in my room, she'd had to be driven to the appointment and came in sobbing, shaking and crying just as a result of being in the car. She walked out smiling at the end of the first appointment. Okay. It's that fast. Okay. She doesn't forget the accident. But now she could sit there and tell you all about the accident, chapter and verse, and go, yeah, oh, God, you should have seen the accident. I, you should have seen the state of the car. This happened and that happened. But she'll talk to you as though she's just said, went to Sainsbury's this morning and, and sugar was on offer all. You know, it's just a matter-of-fact event that happened in her life and all that emotional, physical reaction to it is gone. What's changing in her mind regardless of the whatever technique you're using to help her with the trauma, what's actually practically changing that's taking her from someone who can't drive a car after the accident because she's so traumatised by it to someone who can now tell that story without without physically feeling the anxiety that she would have felt before? What's, what's changed in her brain? Basically, in a, a very basic fashion, when you suffer some sort of trauma... The left side brain, the thinking side, kind of goes closes down slightly. The right side, the the amygdala, the fight, flight, fright, goes into fight, fight, flight, freeze, yeah. <laughs> goes into overdrive, mm -hmm. and any emotions that come up there are all flying around. If that doesn't come to a satisfactory conclusion, so it's not dealt with, and with an accident, all the trauma's going on, she's got out of the car, and then there's hospital, and, and at no point has she been able to sit down and actually process it in an effective way. Yeah. So all those emotions are still flying around in that right side brain so that anything else in the future that, that happens that, that triggers a memory to do with that mm -hmm. accident, mm -hmm. the amygdala again fires off into the the overdrive of fight, flight, freeze, oh my God, we're going to die. So getting in the car to come to me, mm -hmm. automatically she said, oh my God, I'm going to have an accident. Mm -hmm. I could potentially die just okay. on that trip. Do, do you see what I mean? So yeah. it can fire off 
fire off the the emotion the emotional response again and that again that you know there's all sorts of 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 research and and debate about left brain right brain in the world of training um it's oversimplified and unfortunately there are a lot of bad trainers out there who talk about left brain right brain in a very simple way um basically what happens with the light pen the light pen activates the the right and left brain so it helps to process that motion that's flying around in the yeah. right side brain so that it gets processed into the left side brain more and and filed yeah, away yeah. as something that did happen yeah. and is actually no longer relevant yeah. what a lot of people um don't understand is that we as managers bosses leaders we can cause people at a very low level to feel that same level of danger that fight flight freeze play dead syndrome um we can we can cause people to feel that just by the way we interact with them and if we're behaving with people in a way that constantly is putting them under stress constantly is making them come to work feeling like you know i'm not valued you don't see me i don't matter and that can generate a, a huge degree of anxiety now it's a very complex world. I'm not offering a simple solution. I guess what I'm saying is, from what you've told me and from what I've learned, the effect we have on people is massive. And whether it's the effect of a car crash or the effect of telling a child off at three years old for something they said, the impact we can have is is massive. Um, coming back to NLP, when you talked about the language we use and the way we talk to people, you know that can have a huge effect on how people feel about themselves, which ultimately has an effect on how successful they can be. So I guess what I said in that monologue really is it's really important that we think about what we say to people. We think about how we say it. We don't want people thinking they should just walk on eggshells and try to get everything right because we'll, we'll, we'll get things wrong all the time. But if you have good intentions and you have good heart and, and you do what you think is the right thing to do, then you're much less likely to cause people difficulty. Just don't be a dick is basically what i'm saying to people anyway um so going back to the blasting just to, yes. just to sum it up basically what blast does is it helps the person that's had the trauma it helps them to reprocess the traumatic event so that they understand what happened and they can remember it but without the physical or emotional response to it anymore okay so they're remembering the event but the physical and emotional response fades away it's gone because presumably gone. that part of their brain is not sending that signal to say you're in danger so for example when i start a session and i, I ask them about the trauma yeah. and i ask them to score it naught to 10 as they're sat in the room now thinking about it i, I get them to disclose their eyes think about whatever it is and when they think about it score it naught to 10 and i'm looking for anything that scores a seven six seven and above okay. and then by the time we've done this processing that 10 will be a zero. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So we've talked about trauma. We've talked about faulty programming, you being Mrs. McAfee. Um, we've touched on NLP. What was that book that you had, which, so we're going to put a link in the show notes to this, but you were, you were recommending this book that you've got in front of you. Tell us what that For is. For anyone that suffers, um, that has, that has bouts of anxiety for whatever reason, yeah. 
there's a very handy little book by a lady called Melissa Tears, who's a quite well-known hypnotherapist in the States. Mm -hmm. And I had the pleasure of seeing her do a talk at a hypnotherapy conference over here a few years ago. And she's written a book. She's written lots of books, actually. But one that's very good is the Anti-Anxiety Toolkit, which is Rapid Techniques to Rewire the Brain. Okay. And in this book, there are lots of little exercises that you can do to help you um, if you're you're in the office and you're about to address a meeting and you're having a bit of an anxiety attack there are lots of little exercises that you can do in just a couple of minutes to bring your anxiety level down to a manageable level to go and do whatever you need to do i'm gonna put you on the spot what does she tell us we should do can you give us any examples of the exercises that she says just an example today for example i've never done a podcast before really? and and i'm not no and i'm not and i'm not generally an anxious person okay. i'm very much a whatever so um today it caught me but unawares when this morning i started actually thinking about the podcast and getting a bit sort of i guess it was a bit anxious and i was thinking what if i do this what if i do that and one of the helpful little tips she says is, is just insert the word so at the beginning of that phrase so instead of thinking what if i blank so what if i blank What's ah, going to happen? Who's okay. going to shoot me? Okay. So what if I can't do it? So okay. what if I don't cover everything? So what if I make a mistake? Yeah. Whatever it is you're telling yourself in a negative, put so in front of it. And that what if becomes so much less than it was before. Love it. Love little, it. Just a little thing. What I find really interesting is you as someone who helps other people with trauma and anxiety and that kind of stuff. To me, that's a really good example that none of us perfect we're all on a journey we're all we're all learning and this is one of the reasons why i do this podcast um and i'm going on a journey of learning understanding how these things work and the impact they have and it's really refreshing to hear someone who whilst you are a practitioner of some of the solutions for people you're also on your own journey and you're also learning about you know how do you deal with stuff it's we're all human none of us are yeah. perfect yeah. and we all we we're all traveling the world we're all we've all got our own map of the world and that's something i think is so important to remember when you talk to people um and i and I, i'm as guilty as the next person having a bit of road rage when someone suddenly pulls out in front of you or turns left or right and doesn't indicate and you know you're sat in the car saying oh my goodness you've got what's you know if you've got a kit car that forgot to put the indicators in and this sort of thing but Although I, I and I, I've hand on heart, I will admit I still do that on occasion. But I'm getting much better at thinking. Actually, you don't know what's happening in their world. What have they just left at home when they got in that car to go to the shop? Are they looking after someone with dementia? Have they got a terminally ill child? Have they are they going through a divorce? Have they just had a bereavement? There are so many things, and people have all got their own upsets going on yeah. and things to deal with. And none of us are perfect and we can't, you know, we're not an island on our own and we can't just deal with everything all the time. Yeah. Eventually, something's got to give yeah. and, you know, so you forget to indicate it's not the end of the world. Yeah. Yeah. And also the things we say to ourselves. In fact, I read a, a comment on LinkedIn a couple of weeks ago and it was about how we talk to ourselves. And, and the family member said to her, always talk to yourself as you would a deeply loved child. Quite a profound statement, that isn't is, it? That is, isn't it? Yeah. So instead of telling yourself you're useless or looking in the mirror and, yeah. and commenting on your weight or your bad hair day or whatever it is yeah. you're putting yourself down for, yeah. would you say that to your child or would you say it to your best friend? Yeah. Think about what you say to yourself. Yeah. Would you say that to your best friend? If you wouldn't say it to your best friend, why is it okay yeah. to say that to yourself? 
you probably wouldn't say to your best friend, you're no good, you can't do this job, um, you're a failure, um, you're not successful. Mm. You can't wear that, you look fat in it. <laughs> and, and I think particularly for those of us who are self-employed or run our own businesses, um, a lot of people underestimate the impact of how powerful our self-esteem or lack of it can be when you're working for yourself. Because when you work for someone else, you've got a much clearer guide as to how well you're doing and, and what you need to do to be successful. It's a bit more straightforward. When you work for yourself, you're working that all out yourself. Um, and you've got to promote your business, build relationships with clients, generate business from, from, from places. And let's face it, we are more often faced with failure than we are with success because it's just in the nature of what we do. And if Every time you're faced with failure, you talk yourself down a notch and reinforce to yourself that you can't do it or you're not great or you're not doing the right stuff. You wouldn't talk to a close friend like that or, or, or a deeply loved child. So I think that's a, that's a fabulous tip. And I think it's important as well to acknowledge the things you do well. Um, yes. I mean, you've hit on something there about the fact that when you when you work for yourself, quite often you wear so many hats, as you say, you, you not only do your job, you're responsible for your accounts, your social media, um, everything you do in between. It's all down to you. And, you know, you're not super, you're not superwoman or superman. Something's got to give somewhere. Yeah. So it is important to sometimes just sit back and instead of criticising yourself for all the things on the to-do list you didn't do, pick out the things that did go well that day. So for me, if I've had a day where I think, oh, God, I should have done my accounts, I should have done this, I should have done that, but I might just reflect back on a client that week and the result that I had and think, yeah, but I might not have done my accounts, but yeah. look how I changed that woman's life the other day yeah. because now she can do this, this and this, or yeah. now she feels whatever. And, or you know, it might be a person that I've I've worked with a few years ago. Um, I worked with a lady, I'm just going to recount this story. I worked with a, a, a lady, a young, a young lady in her late teens, early 20s. Um, she came to my notice when I was a crisis worker um, and as a, a result of a chat with the mum, it was several months down the line after I'd left crisis work that mum looked me up and brought her daughter to see me and basically she'd... Um, had a sexual assault as a result of a drink spiking incident and without going into any other details I still kept in touch with mum because she's referred several more people to me as a result of the result with her daughter and the last time I met her for coffee um, we had coffee afternoon tea which, and nice chat and catch up the daughter's now back in work engaged having a child soon etc it's a lovely story but as I went to leave she threw her arms around me and she said Sandy she said I can't ever thank you enough she said you brought my daughter back to me Wow! and that that I often think of that if I'm having a bad day I think yeah but look what I did for that lady and that's one of my best I mean there, there are lots of um clients that I could think of along those lines that I've worked with over the years that I've had a similar effect, but her words, I think because I'm a mum as well, right. those words really struck a chord yeah. with me. If you can hear a crack in Sandy's throat, it's because <laughs> she is getting emotional and it's making me emotional as well. Um, oh what an amazing story and importantly, a really powerful thing for you to reflect on to say, yeah, but I do make a difference and I make a positive difference. And I think 100% agree with you. I think that 
um, not just for people that work for themselves, but for everybody. It's really important. You know, I'm a fan of end of day journaling and coming up with three things that you have done well today. And in the coaching work I do with people, I often ask them if they don't already to, for a period of time, two or three weeks, write down three things each day that went well as a result of what they did. And then after three weeks, I ask them to send me that list 60 odd things that they've done and when the list gets that long and you look back and you can see some big things some small things we often forget the stuff that we do really well and we often forget the positive impact we have and we often focus on what we do badly it's a fundamental of the coaching program we do the continue begin coaching program because we believe that actually if you're going to help people get the best out of their performance the very first thing you need to do is celebrate what they've done well and help them celebrate what they've done well and that provides a foundation for them to then be able to tackle the thing that's a bit challenging or or a bit tricky um and i think the power of celebrating what we've done well i don't know if it's because it's a British thing or I don't know what it is, but but many people struggle with with identifying what's good. And that end of day journal for me, three things that have gone well today is, is super powerful. So, um, so I recommend that to you, listener, if you don't do that. So in this final section, we want to just talk a little bit about some of the practical things our listeners can do the first one on my list, which we wrote down when we talked last time, was cut down on social media. So we've touched on this, the, the pervasive power of social media and this idea that everyone else is amazing and I'm not because people measure themselves by what everyone else is putting out. I don't go on to LinkedIn and say I'm having an awful day and things are going horribly wrong. None of us ever do, does it. So, Well, exactly. And nobody wants to read about the bad stuff, do no. they? But ultimately, we go on there and we read all this good stuff. And we, you know, we, we read your post and think, oh, wow, he's had a really good week. Oh, God, and I've done nothing this week. You know, oh, God, well, I should have done this and he's done all that. And why didn't I do this? And, oh, well, I've had a really bad week by comparison. And that's what happens. People read all the good stuff, which is what we put on there. Yeah. But they, th there's very few people that will actually go on there and be real. Yeah. And say, actually, yeah. do you know what? I'm really struggled this week and this is what's happened to me and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It is, a lot of it is all positive yeah. stuff. And I think most people will, will admit this, if only to themselves and not to other people. You start scrolling before you know it, you can easily have wasted an hour, two Absolutely. hours, because you start scrolling, you get sucked into what you're reading yeah. about. And then I think, oh, that poor person that's had that dog stolen, and now I'm sharing that. And then the next one comes up and I'm sharing that. And then I'm checking the ones that I've saved in case it's already there somewhere. And then something else comes up. Okay, so... Number one on the list, cut down on social media. However you do it, um, and if you need some help, talk to Sandy. She'll, uh, she'll, she'll help you. Um, the other thing we've got is about deep breathing. So tell us how, how deep breathing can help you. Deep breathing helps you relax. Um, so, for example, um, a lot of people that smoke, they say that they turn to cigarettes, for example, right. in times of stress. And actual fact, it's not the cigarette, lighting up the cigarette that, that releases the stress. When they take a, a drag of a cigarette, and I'm speaking from experience here as an ex-smoker yeah. of many years ago. How many, how many copies of Alan Carr's Easy Way to Stop Smoking have I got on my shelf, <laughs> Sandy? Oh, three. Three copies. Because <laughs> so I bought a book every time I gave out smoking. It's very effective. I've done it three times. <laughs> so I know. Clearly very effective then. 
But yeah, when you take that first drag of that cigarette, when you're under stress, you light it up. And the first thing you do, you take a huge inhale and you hold it and then you breathe out. That is what is relaxing you and releasing the stress. It's nothing to do with a cigarette. A cigarette is a stimulant. The nicotine is a stimulant. So quite often, if you just sit back and relax and do some deep breathing, that in itself will help. Okay. Um, I've got a couple of little techniques, actually. Um, sort of anxiety relief exercises. I've put the relaxation exercises at the end. There's no need to go there now, but you can try them out later. And I thought it'd be easier for you to find them at the end of the podcast instead of being hidden here somewhere in the middle. So check them out after the end music bit. But right now, we go back to the conversation. Okay, so we've we've said cut down on social media, bit of deep breathing. We've talked about um, some relaxation techniques. I've got empty chair and writing a letter. So writing a letter, um, so maybe you've got a parent that's not being the best parent in the world they might be alive they might be dead but if you don't feel that you can actually say everything to them that you want to say um whether it's through guilt because you think you're going to hurt them or that you're just not brave enough because they're too overpowering or whatever the reason write a letter to that parent saying everything you want to say however bad it is using whatever language you want to use write it all down and then burn it okay and again, you can do this with a, an ex-partner, um, a bully in the workplace. It, it can work for anything, really. Just writing it all down because it's getting it out of your head yeah. and then burn it. And the empty chair, that's similar, The empty it? chair is a similar thing, but that's more a technique that I would use in the therapy room okay. um, that's very effective, particularly um, used in hypnosis. And I use it a lot for... Um, various things but one of the things it's very powerful for is if you've got someone that's lost a loved one suddenly and not had a chance to say goodbye mm -hmm. um, particularly with suicide there's a lot of grief around suicide and there's a lot of anger blame quite often there's guilt and shame because they blame themselves in someone I should have seen it I should have known I should have done something and then there's how dare you why did you do that why did you go and kill yourself and leave there's all sorts of very powerful emotions that play with suicide and again using this empty chair in hypnosis because they're nice and relaxed I get them to imagine that that loved one is sat in the chair beside them and they can have a conversation with them and they can do it all in their head. I don't need to know what they're saying. They can do it out loud if they want to, but they can say all the things to that person that they didn't get a chance to say. And then once they've said everything they've got to say, I say, okay, so they've heard you and I want you to relax and I want you to hear what you think they would be saying back to you now. Because consciously, although that person may know that there wasn't anything they could do, that that person has set their path or whatever. Consciously, they might blame themselves and, and, and say, you know, think they should have done this, they should have done that. Subconsciously, the subconscious mind knows yeah. what that person would actually say to them, that it wasn't your fault, I've made up my mind, right. whatever it is. They, they just know instinctively what will reassure that person. So it's... It, a two-way conversation and, and once they've heard what they've got to say back and then I then give them the opportunity if, do, have you got a response is there a response back from them and they take as long as they take and this is one of the things with my sessions I never book 
an hour session. So my sessions can be anything up to a couple of hours because I think it's very important to give the person the time they need and deal with whatever's coming up in the room as it comes up. I don't want to be looking at a clock saying, oh, well, that's it. That's your hour. We'll look at that again next week or we'll leave that there and come back next week when they might have been left in actually quite a traumatic situation or, or what we've dealt with has brought up something else that's really upsetting them and I can't send them out of the, mm -hmm. the room like that mm -hmm. personally I need to uh, sort of address that there mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. but this um, empty chair is quite an effective thing in fact I'll give you an example of the story of this I had a lady came to me for smoking a few years back now with smokers a lot of the smokers will phone up and they'll say okay um, I, I need to make an appointment with you well there's my first red flag I need to mm -hmm. not I want to so I say, okay, so why do you need to make an appointment? Well, my doctor says, my wife says, the children are nagging me, my husband. There's all these reasons, all valid reasons why they should give up smoking. So I let them go on about all this for a little while. And then I say, so I can. And how about you? What do you want to do? And uh, unless they convince me that they really want to do it, I won't take them because it won't work. As I said earlier on, I'm not a magician. I can't make people do things that they don't want to do. I'm a facilitator. I help them make the changes that they've already decided to make. So this lady, I'd had a conversation. She convinced me she absolutely wanted to give up smoking. So I, I brought her in for a session and I took her into hypnosis. And I always check in with the subconscious mind anyway before I start to say, so-and-so's come here today. Because she wants to give up smoking. Do you understand that? Yes or no? And I use something called an idiomotor response, which is basically I set up a finger response where the finger moves for a yes answer and it stays still for a no. Clearly, yes, I understand she's come to give up smoking. Okay. And can I just confirm that you're on board to work with me to help her to give up smoking today? No. And I, said, I thought, oh, okay. I'd never had that happen before. And I thought, well, what do I do now? This is bizarre. So I said, okay, so using um, so-and-so's voice, can you tell me why that you're not on board for helping her to give up smoking? Is, is there a reason for this? Yes. I said, can, are you happy to share that reason with me? It's the only thing that makes her happy. Mm. So I said, oh, okay. So is there anything we can do to change that? Nope. I said, okay. So I brought her out of hypnosis. Well, I, I did a, just a nice relaxation with her so that she, she had something. And I said, look, we haven't done the smoking today because your subconscious is basically saying it's the only thing that makes you happy. Do you understand that? Do you understand why it's saying that? She said, yeah, I think so. And I said, okay. I said, is there anything you want to share with me? I said, you don't have to, but if you want to talk, I'm here. So she said, well, she said, yeah. She said, I think it's because... Yeah, it is the only thing that makes me happy, she said, because I lost three of my children, three out of four of her children. This wow. lady was in her mid to late 70s, I think. She'd lost three out of four of her adult children, oh, all to sudden death, all three. One had had a stroke, I think it was. One had had a, an accident at work, and I think one had a heart attack, something like that anyway. So she'd, she'd lost all these children and not had a chance to say goodbye to any of them. So I said, okay, and we had a long chat about it. And I said, look, I said, this is something I can possibly help you with. I said, if you'd like to have that opportunity to say goodbye in a safe environment. And I explained about the empty chair. Oh, gosh, yes, she said, I'd like to do that. So we arranged for her to come back the following week. And I sat there while this 
this lovely lady had these conversations with the three children and she did it all out loud. And I'm not ashamed to say I sat there with a tissue in my hand listening to these conversations as she leant across as though she was actually holding the person's hand and stroking their hand while she spoke to them. So we finished the session and she... She visibly changed in the chair. Her her face, the strain went out of her face and she left. And I think it was about three weeks later, she phoned me up. She said, I can't thank you enough for what you did. She said, it's made such a difference to me. She said, oh, and by the way, I've given up smoking. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. You've summed up there really kind of the, the basis of our whole conversation today. It's the fact that Whatever it is you're trying to do differently, whatever you're struggling with, sometimes there's something underneath that, underpinning that. And mm. if you can tackle that first, um, then, you know, you've got a good chance of doing something about it. Just to recap, we talked about your background, uh, how you got into fire the police and working in the care industry, how you got into hypnotherapy and trauma. We've talked about the subconscious, how the subconscious can affect people's lives. We've talked about trauma, reframing, faulty programming. You're Mrs. McAfee now and you always will be. <laughs> um, we touched on neuro-linguistic programming, self-esteem, the importance of sleep. And then we got into some real practical stuff about people can do cutting down on social media, deep breathing. Uh, you've Talk, talks us through some relaxation exercises, which I will put at the end of the podcast listener for you to listen to without having to scroll through the whole thing. We talked about writing the letter, empty chair, the importance of sleep. And that little word, so. And that's, I really like that. That's a nice, simple little technique. Mm. So what? A thread that's come through everything you've talked about is people solve their problems by talking to someone. Obviously, you've given us examples of how people can talk to you, but also, you know, trying to find someone you can talk to. And if you can, trying to talk about stuff can be so much more helpful than just keeping it inside, can't it, and just bottling it in. So whether that's a professional like you, Sandy, or whether it's um, a family member, a friend, sometimes I find it easier to talk to someone who I don't have all the baggage with. I don't just go and talk to random strangers. I've been told to stop doing that. Um, But, uh, you know, sometimes it can be easier to talk to someone who maybe doesn't know you so well or doesn't necessarily have all that baggage. Um, And don't forget, you've always got the Samaritans. Yeah, the Samaritans. You know, they're completely anonymous, so you can pour your heart out to them and, you know, they're a safe space to talk to if you don't feel that you want to talk to family or friends. And if you haven't got the means or or yeah, the yeah. inclination to go to a professional, perhaps you're not quite in that right yeah, place absolutely. to do that. So talking is important. Sometimes it's hard to do, but usually it's better to do than not do, isn't it? I think is the is the advice. Um, the other thing that that you've said you've touched on a couple of times about the car driving and and how we deal with other people. Um, just be kind to people. We don't know what people are going through. We don't know what's going on. Um, the phrase that springs to mind is one that I've heard a few times. We judge ourselves by our intentions and others by their actions. So actually, if someone cuts you up or someone's rude to you at work or someone says something to you that's that you know isn't great, just pause for a second because you don't know what that person's going through. You don't know what's going on in their mind. Don't assume they're out to get you. Don't assume they want to make your life difficult because they probably don't. And frankly, they probably haven't even seen that you're there. Um, so just taking a second to to um, just think about, well, actually, they might be going through some stuff of their own um, and not leaping to judgment and criticism um, all the time, I think, is, is powerful. Sandy, is there anything that I haven't asked you that I should have asked you today? 
No, I don't think so. I think we've covered we've covered the trauma, we've covered anxiety, we've covered phobias. Um, there are lots of things that I work with. Uh, if you go to my website, there's a whole list on there. And if it's not on there, the chances are I could probably help you. So it's always worth a phone call. I will always be honest. I will always say if it's something I think I can help you with. And if it's out of my remit, I will try and refer you on to someone that I think can help you. So this end bit of the podcast is always, I've steal this from Dan Harris, the plug zone. So where can people get hold of you? What's your website? sandydoylehypnotherapy.co.uk Social media, can people connect with you on social media? Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Facebook. Okay, so we'll put the links to your LinkedIn and Facebook um, connections. For anyone that's got any questions about anything, if they've, they've got something that they think they've tried other avenues or they think it might help to do hypnotherapy, give me a call, I'm happy to chat and see. Do you give people your phone number? Well, yeah, it's on my website anyway, it's 07990 seven seven six seven one eight fabulous thank you so much for coming today i really appreciate you sitting in our little hot cramped studio um and having a chat and uh sharing everything with us that's um that's given me a lot to think about and hopefully the listener as well i'm sure it has thank you thank you steve it's been a pleasure so i hope you've enjoyed this episode of course if you've been affected by any of the subjects, please contact a professional. There'll be lots of links in the show notes to help you find out more about Sandy and the services she provides, along with some other helpful resource. And if you have enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends on social media, or maybe email, or write them a letter if you like. I miss writing letters. If you do write a letter, tell them to go to a podcast app and search for Sharp Podcast, one word, two Ps. And if you want to go onto your podcast app and give us a five-star rating or a review, we'd love that too. I mean, I say give us a review. People did used to do that. Do they still do it? I don't know. Don't be a follower. Just because other people might not do it, you be different. Stand out from the crowd. Give us a review and stick two fingers up to the sheeple who don't do it. Anyway, take care and don't forget, stop comparing yourself to other people. The only person you should compare yourself to is the person that you were yesterday. And also don't forget, after the music finishes, there are the short relaxation exercises. Give them a try. They're very relaxing. See you later. Hi there, it's me again. And I've got a couple of uh, exercises that you can do if you're feeling a bit stressed or anxious, just to help you calm down and relax. So the first one, I want you to find somewhere that's really comfortable, somewhere where you can just sit down and relax for a few moments. And once you're sat down comfortably, I want you to put your hand on your heart and take three nice deep breaths and close your eyes. And now I want you to remember a time or a place where you felt really, really good. Maybe an event, maybe a place. Maybe when you achieve something that you're really proud of. But whatever it is, I want you to take yourself back there now. Take yourself back to that, that time, that place, that event where you felt really good. And I want you to see everything you could see 
at that event. I want you to hear everything you could hear. And most importantly, I want you to really tap into those emotions, feeling how good you felt. That's right. Really feel those emotions and just spend a few moments there relaxing, tapping into those feel good feelings. This is a really easy little exercise to do anywhere. You might be at work, feeling a bit stressed, a bit overwhelmed. You can just take a few moments out and do this at your desk without anyone really noticing what you're doing. So for exercise two, again, find yourself somewhere really comfortable to sit down. And I want you to cross your arms so that you can slowly stroke your arms from the shoulders to the elbows. And as you slowly stroke your arms from the shoulder to the elbows, I want you to clear your mind. And then I want you to imagine somewhere that's very pleasant for you. This may be a forest, maybe a beach, maybe a mountain. Just somewhere that's very pleasant, calming and relaxing for you. And as you visualise this place that's really calming and relaxing, just carry on stroking your arms from the shoulder to the elbow. And as you do this, just count slowly from 1 to 20 in your head. And then move your eyes from left to right two or three times while still stroking your arms. And then finish by saying to yourself, I'm okay or I'm safe or whatever positive phrase is appropriate for whatever situation you're calming yourself down from. So there you go. I hope you find these useful. And I've also given Steve a link to a relaxation recording that you're welcome to use uh, if you'd like to. It runs for about 20, 25 minutes.